0: leaders are hungry for that connection we've all had experiences that will shake us to our core and a lot of our core beliefs but we're all striving for a sense of community and, and connection
1: hey everyone i'm captain lawson and this is the Longleaf pod where i talk to people who are adding value to communities across north carolina in this episode i'm talking with brian etheridge the president of leadership north carolina In this episode, we talk about training the current and future leaders of the state, why learning to listen is key to transformative change, and breaking down silos to build a better future. Enjoy the show. All right, Brian, thank you so much for talking with me today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Brian, you are the president of Leadership North Carolina. Tell me kind of the one sentence or two sentence version of what that organization is.
0: Leadership North Carolina's mission is really all about engaging and informing leaders from all across North Carolina. And we really do that through an annual program uh, where we select 55 or 56 leaders from the business, government, education, and nonprofit sectors each year. And those folks go through a cohort and travel to six different cities around the state to learn about the issues and opportunities facing North Carolina and really how they can engage to help shape the next chapter of North Carolina's future.
1: Mm. So how long have you been the president of, we're just going to call it LNC?
0: (laughs) Sounds great. Um, So I joined Leadership North Carolina uh, in March of 2006. So uh, in a couple of months, I'll I'll hit my 13 year mark, lucky or unlucky. Uh, But it's been a tremendous, it's been a tremendous journey thus far and a real uh, privilege to be able to meet leaders each year, some of whom are lifelong North Carolinians, and some are very new to the state. And this gives them a great opportunity to learn about what makes North Carolina tick, but most importantly, how they can engage and be involved in being a more engaged and informed citizen in the state of North Carolina.
1: Did you think that when you joined the organization that you would be there for 13 years?
0: I will confess, I don't know that I thought that far ahead, but I actually started uh, my career as a, as an elementary school teacher. So I took a very nonlinear path to <laughs> to leadership North Carolina, but that is not that different than a lot of the leaders going through leadership North Carolina. I, mean, I think many of us um, look at where we are now and uh, wouldn't necessarily have projected this is where we're going to be even as type a or driven as many of us are um, uh, increasingly a lot of leaders are really open to where those opportunities present themselves and those doors that open and opportunity begets opportunity and that's kind of my story of how i got here as well we keep having uh, new initiatives and new opportunities that um, develop at Leadership North Carolina, which is part of why I've, I've continued to stay so engaged and passionate about the work that we do.
1: So you get to meet new leaders, existing leaders from around the state. You get to take them all over the place and introduce them to you know, the issues and challenges and opportunities facing, facing the state. What does, that, what does it look like planning out that kind of
0: a year? I am supported by an incredible team and an incredible board. So our program director, Kelly Turner, who's been with us a little over five years, helps run point on the programming part of uh, the ledger. And the way we structure the program is when folks complete the program each May, they immediately transition into helping provide guidance, planning and content for the subsequent year. Folks obviously come out of it very fresh because they've just completed the program and immediately shift from being a, what I would call a participant, kind of a consumer type posture to more of a planning leader kind of posture of uh, helping think about the experience they had. And, And a lot of our classes do this. How can we make this experience even better for the next cohort that's coming behind us and continuing to build on that experience? So a lot of it is thinking about experiences we can expose the class to, whether that is a uh, a trip to, say, a hog farm uh, in eastern North Carolina that is using a digester and modern technology to help take hog byproduct and create renewable energy out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's visiting the state port, if it's visiting an economic development site in the western part of the state, to interactive activities and simulations to help kind of Make that learning more meaningful and longer lasting. How's
1: the makeup of those classes changed over the last 13 years?
0: That is such a great question. And the neat thing about this is, you know, this didn't this didn't start with me. So this I'm I'm actually the fourth president of Leadership North Carolina. Our founding executive director, uh, a lady by the name of Marion Phillips, who's still a member of our board, mm. helped kind of get this off the ground, and it actually grew out of Leadership Greensboro, and a group of concerned citizens, Mm -hmm. civic leaders in the Greensboro community in and around Guilford County helped launch this. But throughout all of that, they saw this need of leaders from different parts of the state, whether they be from the private sector, the public sector, from education or nonprofits. Those leaders needed to understand the nuances in different parts of the state. And that we all approach some of these similar challenges in slightly different ways based on that sense of place we have and, and how we approach that problem or that challenge. The neat thing about this, Catherine, is early on, it was a lot of folks that had been in North Carolina for a good while. But very quickly, you started seeing folks who were relatively new. And when I say relatively new, five years or less. Coming in seeking out leadership North Carolina is a way to get a quick, very comprehensive understanding of how North Carolina is structured and appreciation for institutions like our community college system, our university system, our private colleges and universities, but also how state and local governments interplay with one another. And to the present day, we very much see, at least the past five years, Catherine, it's Usually, two thirds of any cohort of fifty-five or so leaders, two thirds of those folks are are not native North Carolinians, and we welcome that. We actually did our annual event; we call it our Leadership North Carolina Forum or LNC Forum. We had that last Thursday at Market Hall in Raleigh, and and we had a we had several folks in the crowd who'd been in North Carolina less than a year. There are so many folks who have seen opportunity sought out and moved to North Carolina, and we see leadership North Carolina as a great way to help those folks learn more about the state and connect with other leaders, uh, building their own network across the state with, with that kind of common bond of we all have a an appreciation and sense of a shared community, uh, that shared community being uh, certainly the places we come from, but also the broader state of North Carolina.
1: So, Brian, you're you are originally from North Carolina,
0: correct? I am. Yes ma'am, I uh yeah. <laughs> born and born and raised in this part of the state. The accent certainly gives me away, but I I grew up about <laughs> a I grew up about an hour south of Raleigh in Lillington, which is the county seat mm-hmm. of Harnett County.
1: So, how has being a part of of leadership North Carolina affected even your perspective on the state as somebody who has grown up here and called it your home since you were born?
0: It gives me an even deeper appreciation. One of the things that we start every program with, we think it's really important for everybody to have a sense of perspective and that what you see around you hasn't always been here to kind of help develop some understanding of the institutions and culture of North Carolina. So we we cover about 400 years of North Carolina history during that that orientation session to give folks some perspective. I grew up here, born and raised in North Carolina. I'm also a former elementary school teacher, so I taught fourth grade The four hundred years of North Carolina history we cover during our orientation session it's about a four hour endeavor, but it is so incredibly intense and meaningful and comprehensive i I only wish I could have conveyed that passion and level of content to my students when I taught fourth grade more more than a few years ago so as a native North Carolinian, it just gives me a deeper appreciation for some of the more uncomfortable parts of our history that we have struggled and wrestled with and, and in some cases yeah. have not truly resolved, but then mm-hmm. also a real appreciation for leaders with true vision. And we've had many of those over the decades who have helped shape public policy, leaders that really helped us see what, help us see the possible not because we weren't already good, but because they saw that we could be even better. And as you know, you know, North Carolina's motto, motto is "Esse quam videri," to be rather than to seem. And a lot of these leaders from both sides of the aisle have helped us to kind of live into and look at where we could be, not just being content with where we are.
1: Yeah, I love the, the notion that leadership requires at some level an appreciation, not just for where we've been, but a vision and a hope. what can happen next. And one of the things I find so fascinating about your all's program is that it is explicitly multidisciplinary and you're taking leaders from different places and introducing them to different, different versions of the same story of who North Carolina is, where it's come from. And I'm curious what the thought process behind that is, partially because I think that right now we're seeing We're seeing people and we're seeing notions of leadership become increasingly segmented. You know, we have political leadership in one bucket and we have business leadership in one bucket. And there's a pull, I think, for more interdisciplinary, more multidisciplinary approaches to problem solving, which is something that you are very explicitly trying to get the leaders that come through your program to think about. What prompted that kind of an
0: approach part of part of what fuels it is North Carolinians even from our very beginnings have never quite been what i would call all the same stripe all, monolithic we, we've traditionally been a fairly diverse group of folks who historically are pretty independent thinkers sometimes that leads to some challenges as we try to coalesce around some things but one of the things that we have found really helpful is and, and i learned this as in my education training, not everybody learns the same lesson the same way. And we try very much Mm -hmm. to make things interactive, to provide a lot of time for folks to engage one another in conversation. Um, One of the real lessons that we try to impress on folks, we need to break down those silos. Leaders of all stripes need to be having conversations they need to build understanding. And most importantly, they need to develop relationships among leaders from different sectors and perspectives. That's how you build community and, and trust and, and respect. So a lot of what we talk about at Leadership North Carolina, it starts from the very beginning, uh, but we kind of keep preaching it, so to speak, as we go through the program year is the old adage of a cup of coffee. Leaders need to be willing to have three cups of coffee with other leaders who see the world differently than they do. And it's not from a perspective and it's not from a posture of, I want to educate you on how I see things. It is more of a posture of, I want to understand why you see the world the way you do, not to change your mind, but to simply understand and and that's hard. That's hard for all of us. We all want to be heard, but the, mm-hmm. but the but the kind of rule of thumb we have with this three cups of coffee is simply, I would invite you know, Catherine. If you and I were to do it, I would invite you to coffee and say, Catherine, tell me your story. Tell me how you see the world, and how you came to believe the way you see the world. And my job is simply to listen. It's not mm-hmm. to say I disagree or have you thought about it this way, but it's simply to listen to you tell your story. That second cup of coffee, we then flip the script and, and I share my story of how I see the world and, and you're learning from me. And then by mm. the third cup, we can start having some conversation about our different perspectives, maybe where we agree, where we disagree, but it allows us to build a rapport And we can disagree about things without it getting personal, which is very counter to what we see in the public square these days. And and we've really Mm -hmm. started at Leadership North Carolina kind of honing in on, you know, we've got our tagline on our logo that says inform, engage, lead. But we've also got some really what I call um, driving principles, some things that really make us who we are and help cultivate the culture we seek to cultivate at Leadership North Carolina, and that is really, we have a shared community. And for us, that shared community could simply be your neighborhood, but it encapsulates the entire state of North Carolina, all 100 counties, and that we all have a stake mm-hmm. in, that, in that community. The second thing about that is that we, we are committed to civil discourse, of, of having tough conversations but making sure those are fruitful and productive and we're respecting one another. And that's not easy. Um, that is mm-hmm. not easy. We're, we, we don't have the market cornered on that, but it is a, like many things, it is a work in progress and it's something that we continue to work at and strive for and, and want to get better at. And then that third component, that third kind of driving principle is really a commitment to service. And a lot of our alumni, several of them mm-hmm. serve in the general assembly Uh, We've got folks serving in the governor's administration. We have folks who are local mayors and town commissioners and county commissioners. But many, many of our alumni are also serving on nonprofit boards and state boards and commissions. These are folks that, as they're looking at leadership in North Carolina, many of them were already leaders to begin with. They had already demonstrated some of that community leadership, but they're never content to... Coast that they always want to find a way of how they can leave North Carolina better than they than they found it, going back to what I shared earlier of of some of our visionary leaders who really looked at North Carolina of what we could be, not because we weren't already good, but seeing that that potential um, in us, not just institutions but institutions and people of of how we could collaborate and partner. And help help all of our citizens meet their meet their full potential.
1: I really love that framework, especially the the notion that civil discourse can start with an exchange of listening. I think that our public square right now is not really overflowing with civil discourse. It's got discourse or it's got noise at any rate.
0: Well and <laughs> it's not and, and, very civil. Exactly. And it's and it's a challenge too, because we all want to feel heard and validated. Um, but we're, mm-hmm. if we're only having conversations with folks that see the world exactly the same as we do, uh, then we're just creating echo chambers. And I think it's really mm-hmm. important that um, we not only hear what other folks have to say, but we seek to understand why they believe what they believe. And, and the mm-hmm. hard part for, for all of us around that is that takes time. And that that is an incredibly yeah. precious commodity. We all get to choose how we allocate out those same twenty four hours a day we all have. But those are some you know some of those conversations have been some of the most fruitful I've ever had. And I think at the end of the day, leaders are leaders are hungry for that connection. We've all had experiences that will shake us to our core and a lot of our core beliefs. But we're all striving for. A sense of community and and connection.
1: Yeah, and I think what I I'd be curious to see how how this would play out in the less structured environment, but in the one that you've described, this <clears throat> notion of like this rule of three cups of coffee. I feel like the 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 promise of mutual listening is probably something that's so key in that framework. Because yes, somebody has to be the person who goes first and say, "I will listen and strive to understand." But there's also something really reassuring about the promise that the other person is engaged in that process and says, thank you for listening to me. And now I'm going to do the same for you. And then we're going to move on together into kind of the nitty gritty, more difficult pieces of conversation.
0: Absolutely. And it takes that. What we hope to continue to cultivate is ground rules of how we're going to go about having this Mm -hmm. conversation. It doesn't have to be coffee. And we've known for for mm-hmm. years and years and years. Food is a great bomb. As <laughs> Tim Russert's dad used to say, you know, you've got to eat. <laughs> and gathering around a table is not just the food that sustains us. It's those connections and it's those relationships that enrich our lives, not just sustain us. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the challenge too of of making making time for that.
1: Making time for it and and practicing it, which I think is something that sounds like you you try to cultivate with the way that you do your programming around leadership North Carolina because listen I mean listening is a skill learning to listen without feeling the need to defend or explain or respond or but is something that you just have to practice and it becomes I think easier to be the type of person who is willing to take that first step of listening without necessarily a guarantee that somebody's going to be willing to listen back. <laughs> but you have to have those people who start. You have to have people who are willing to say, all right, everybody come to the table. We're going to start with listening and we're going to see if we can have something productive happen after that. But you give people space to practice that. Well, And, and I love that that's a priority of of your program.
0: Well, and and thank you for that. And and, and it, it becomes easier over time, come this May. <clears throat> We will have crossed the twelve hundred alumni mark twelve hundred leaders wow. all across the state have been through leadership North Carolina since our first class graduated in nineteen ninety five and, and twenty nineteen marks our twenty fifth year. We are very fortunate from our from our staff to our board uh, to the members of our planning committees uh, that help facilitate. The sessions those six sessions, they are all really committed to making sure each successive class builds on the experience that they had, and they've really done a great job of helping us refine that culture of mutual respect and it's not that mutual respect to the point where we gloss over the difficult parts i mean we we will address uh you know going back to our orientation session we we cover slavery. Mm-hmm. We cover mm-hmm. we cover um you know uh 1898 and the red shirts and the coup mm-hmm. d'etat in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh yeah. we cover Jim Crow and the Civil Rights era. We visit the International Civil Rights Museum and Center in Greensboro and visit the lunch counter in context after going through that orientation session to learn that there are there are lessons to be learned. Uh, from the difficult parts of our past sometimes parts of our past that we've not fully resolved or dealt with but they do give us a window of how we could move forward and you know you couple that with three cups of coffee and 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 each class kind of really forms a bond i mean after you travel the state with a group of folks over 6 to 7 months you build that level of trust and Those folks really form, in a lot of cases, lifelong friendships with with folks, and then you've instantly got this network of of other leaders across the state. Who, when you run into a challenge, you run into a problem in your respective community. You've got you've got a lot of other folks that you can either connect with over social media, or pick up the phone, or send an email to, and say, "Hey, I'm struggling with this. Our community is dealing with this issue. How have you in your community?" dealt with this. Is this anything y'all have encountered? Where are some resources? Who could we connect with to help us address this? And you've got this this ready and willing network to to help you tackle some of those things.
1: Mm-hmm. So bearing in mind this, you know, we've been talking about this idea that, you know, you can't understand where you are and where you're going without understanding where you've been. So you've mentioned you were a middle school teacher. Um, before you ended up in this position, what did that journey look like?
0: <laughs> so, growing up in Hornet County, I was very much looking forward to college. Actually, very excited about leaving Hornet County and going somewhere new. Mm-hmm. That new for me was the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. It didn't hurt that it was ten minutes from Wrightsville <laughs> Beach and ten minutes from downtown Wilmington, mm-hmm. but it was quite different than growing up in, in Harnett County. And Harnett County was wonderful. Like, it was a truly amazing place to wow. grow up. And I had the benefit of, of growing up in town, in Lillington, but our family had a farm. So I got, I got the incredible privilege of having kind of somewhat urban and rural woven right into who I was. I, I felt like I could mm. toggle between and understand both of those pretty well. So I went to Wilmington. I started out as a political science major, um, thought I wanted to to practice law and decided fairly early on, mainly because I was volunteering with a Big Brothers Big Sisters program in inner city Wilmington. And I was like, this feels more yeah. like the right fit for me than than law. So I changed my major to elementary education, finished up at UNC Wilmington, got a great education, a great teacher education experience, taught for two years in Wilmington, uh, taught second grade there, and then uh, moved to Wake County and taught at a year-round elementary school for another four years, uh, second grade, and then third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade at-risk students, and then fourth grade for a year. And, And fourth grade was a ton of fun, you know, doing North Carolina history. But after that, I got kind of restless and I I felt this need to have an impact outside of the four walls of my classroom. Mm -hmm. I loved working with the kids and the impact and watching them learn. And there's nothing more humbling than being a young educator, wearing a tie every day because, you know, I was young and I was like, I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to, you know, demonstrate professionalism, but with a last name like Etheridge. Um, second graders sometimes had a little trouble with with the pronunciation of that. So mm. there was nothing more humbling than than kids mispronouncing your name, which made for some fun moments. So I got called everything from Mr. Estridge to Mr. Ostridge. <laughs> I just informed my children to please just refer to me as Mr. E and we'll just go from there and keep things simple. But I was kind of <laughs> eager to, you know, after a great experienced teaching in the classroom for for six years. I was eager to have an impact outside those four walls. Wound up having the good fortune of working with the North Carolina Independent Colleges Universities. So Hope Williams is the, mm-hmm. uh, the president there. She's an amazing leader. Um, what I actually did was work to raise money mostly through the foundation and corporate community, primarily for first-generation college students who are attending mm-hmm. colleges and universities around the state. And, and we're very fortunate in North Carolina to have mm-hmm. a robust system of community colleges, tremendous and nationally known you know, UNC system schools, and then just tremendous, tremendous and very rich history associated with our independent colleges and universities. And then that transitioned uh, through a mutual connection to the opportunity to leadership North Carolina, and it continued to fill that void That I had from leaving the classroom where every year, every fall, my program director, Kelly Turner, our alumni director, Maggie Stroud, our office coordinator, Emily Smith, and I all get to meet these 55 or 56 amazing leaders. And it is very much for me um, like the first day of school all over again uh, when we get those folks together at orientation and meet them for the first time and you just really come away with this sense of appreciation for the state of North Carolina because at the heart of all that our state has grown into it's it's our people that really make the difference we have some tremendous institutions and history and accomplishments but at the end of the day it's it's our people and the potential that they hold that gives me the most uh hope for for the future of the state
1: yeah, that's such a neat kind of through story between your experience teaching and you meeting new kids and every year and getting excited about teaching them to your current position, which on its face would not seem that similar, but you still get that excitement of meeting new people, helping them reach their potential and being part of what exposes them to a broader world.
0: Absolutely. I feel very lucky and very fortunate. Uh, but it's also a humbling experience because we want to continue to build on the experience that that all these leaders are having, uh, and there are a number of things that they share in common and experiences that we provide that they all reflect fondly on. Not only are we striving to break down silos among the leaders in the state, but it also helps as the year progresses from orientation to government to education to health, human services, to economic development, and then environment, that those sessions, those topics don't exist in a vacuum. They don't exist in silos. You make policy changes in health and human services, and it can very well have a ripple effect in education or economic development or government and vice versa. So um, understanding that that there's interconnectedness among all of these, these topics, But we're also well aware of the fact in a typical session that lasts about two and a half days, there's no way we can cover everything in health and human services in two and a half days. There's no way humanly possible we can cover everything in education or economic development in two and a half days. But we do want to give folks as comprehensive a lesson and experience in that as we can and leave them hungry to continue to learn more and and to really help foster. Foster that sense of curiosity um, to to keep learning, to keep building connections, and uh, developing as leaders.
1: So, after having gone through you know thirteen cycles of those six topics and different presentations in different cities, what do you have a particular favorite one that you like seeing kind of reinterpreted year by year?
0: That is such a great question. There's several we do, Catherine, that that are particularly poignant and have evolved over time. But one that a lot of our classes Mentioned time and again that is both very personal and meaningful and beneficial for them As during our health and human services session we will do a simulation we call making ends meet the class is put in a scenario where they are a family of four on public assistance and what i mean by public assistance is they're using snap supplemental nutrition mm-hmm. assistance program what what many folks grew up with knowing is food stamps um, they're using snap and they're using WIC women infant and children's uh, which is a uh an additional program uh around um, you know child nutrition and they're using those vouchers, so to speak to go grocery shopping for mm-hmm. a family in a scenario. Um, they may have issues in their scenario that deal with transportation there may be issues uh around homelessness. Um, there may be a child in that scenario who's got a birthday, and how do you navigate providing food for your family, but also celebrating maybe it's that child's seventh birthday and the dignity of those individuals, um, understanding some of the stigmas that may come with uh, with being um, in those programs, but also uh, having our leaders. Walk in uh a scenario where they're getting to see the grocery store and and shopping for food in a in a different set of circumstances many of us many of us walk into any given grocery store and for the most part you know, if if we want something on the shelf, we can find a way to get it uh, but there are limitations to what you can buy with snap or WIC. and helping mm. folks understand the nuances and some of the cumbersomeness of some of these. Programs and their very defined role in help helping with issues around hunger and food insecurity, and that weaves its way through the the Leadership North Carolina program of understanding how food insecurity impacts children in the educational setting, and the longer health impacts, and how that in, in, impacts health and human services, and then certainly government and investments in children and families and how that impacts economic development later in life. So, And then how those issues around food insecurity differ from one region of the state or one county to another. And there are now some very concerted efforts of how do we address in a country that is known for abundance, how do we help some of our most vulnerable citizens who are struggling on a daily and a weekly basis with providing nutritious food for, for their families and dealing with those issues around food insecurity.
1: Yeah, that's a, a very pressing issue, and it's one that is, I think, getting more and more complicated, but also more and more attention. And that's, it, that's a neat way to kind of personalize it for the people that come through the program.
0: Well, and it's been helpful, too, for folks. Uh, we've had classes as we kind of do a debrief of this. We'll, we'll have, you know, folks who are you know, involved with SNAP and WIC come and kind of give folks a, a tutorial, so to speak, of how these programs work, how they're funded, where they're funded from, what you can, what you can't do. Dispel some of the myths about the folks who are utilizing this program. Mm-hmm. But then when we debrief, you know, on occasion, there will be leaders in the class who are like, you know, as a child, my family. We used SNAP or we used WIC as a young adult or as I was just getting out of college, you know, and, and making this real, making this personal. I think in a lot of cases in our public discourse, it's very easy to see folks as other or language we may use that's more they or those folks. Our approach at Leadership North Carolina is it is it is us. It is we.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: we, as North Carolinians, what's important for us to really realize is we all have stories of how we got here, whether we got to North Carolina by choice and we chose to chose to come here, we sought this place out, whether we were born here, and that was a choice that was made for us, or maybe it's an unfortunate circumstance of we didn't have a choice, but this is where we are. We all want to be able to help help leaders help our fellow citizens. Uh, gain that voice in how we chart our path forward.
1: So Brian, how has your experience with leadership in North Carolina affected the way that you personally kind of engage in in your community, in your day-to-day life?
0: So a couple of different ways. So it, it has certainly developed for me an even deeper sense of what I would call empathy um, and being really hungry to see, to understand that, that just what my experience may be growing up in Harnett County or living in Wake County, that not all of North Carolina is like that. has made me very interested and hungry to get outside of my bubble, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Not only to have conversations, but to experience what other North Carolinians are, are dealing with and facing. Um, so one of the organizations I'm I'm really active with uh, and have the good fortune of, of serving on the board of is is a group called the Sunday Supper, and it really grew out of, it really grew out of um, Hurricane Matthew mm-hmm. and wanting to bring communities together to help support uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew. It was done again after after Hurricane Florence, mm-hmm. but it melds very well with Leadership North Carolina's mission, and that mission of Sunday Supper is. The amazing things that can happen in communities when you when you have folks from different backgrounds, different beliefs gathered around a table to share a meal and and to build that sense of community and to understand that that we're all in this together. Mm. So that's one one way I've been involved. And then um, I'm also really active with the YMCA of the Triangle. And with the Y Guides program, which is really dedicated to the interaction, the, the cultivation of relationships between fathers and, and their kids. So I had the good fortune fortune of of serving as chief of Y Guides this year, and it's an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling experience. So all these experiences, whether it's, you know, Y Guides, whether it is Sunday Supper, whether it's opportunities to serve at my church, I've served in the past, on the University of North Carolina uh, at Wilmington Board of Visitors uh, or Sunday supper, it all goes back to showing that that we're interconnected. And if there's a part of North Carolina that's that's struggling, it impacts all of us. And if there's a part of North Carolina that's doing well, it can help all of us. Uh, but to realize that, that, that we're all part of a, a shared community and we're all uh, we all really need to treat one another as neighbors as best we can.
1: Mm. I love that. I love that takeaway and the way that that's, yeah, impacted the way you choose to serve and love through action in your community. Um, Well, thank you for for sharing all these stories. Before we wrap up, I would love to hear about somebody or something that is currently inspiring you.
0: Oh my gosh! So um, I just recently finished reading um, John Meacham's book, uh, The Soul of America. Oh, I just Um, finished that too. And it is, it is one of my favorite reads, mm-hmm. But having that point of perspective, of kind of taking the long view of our history and the challenges that we've faced over time, to be able to step back, take a deep breath, understand we've been through difficult times as a country before, but then get right back in, lean into the hard stuff, more determined than ever to shape where we go from here. And that's certainly not easy. And there are certain days I'm exhausted and frustrated and bewildered. But you go to bed, you get up, and you go at it again. And I'm very fortunate to have um, great coworkers and teammates at Leadership North Carolina, an amazing board, but uh, an incredible faith community as well, and friends across the state in a lot of different sectors who are all going to bed at night, uh, who wake up the next morning and are committed to finding how we can help make North Carolina live into that motto of to be rather than the same.
1: Well, I wholeheartedly second that that recommendation for Meacham's book. It's fantastic. And I so appreciate you sharing your perspective and kind of the way that you've chosen to engage with North Carolina and contribute to making it better.
0: Catherine, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to share some time with you and your interest in, in what we do and our work here at Leadership North Carolina. So thank you. Absolutely.
1: That's it for this episode of the Longleaf Pod. I hope to share these conversations once a week and hope you'll join in next time. If you like this podcast, please share and subscribe. And if you have thoughts about the podcast or ideas about a person you think should be interviewed, you can find me on Twitter as at Kat Lawson. Thanks for listening.